electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. AI warnings. This time, the risk to U.S. financial stability. The downside of relying on just one model and one startup that's building on several models. It's Friday, December 15th. Two weeks to go in the year, Gilbert. Welcome to Tech Check, the podcast. I'm Deirdre Bosa. And I'm Mark Gilbert. Today, it is techcheck.aid. We've gotten fundraises this week, some reporting on the capital environment, and now multiple government officials are making sort of strikingly similar warnings about the concentration of risk in AI. They seem to have come in in the last 24 hours as well, and they talk a lot to CNBC, so we often hear them first. Um, But it kind of goes against this whole idea that we've been talking about all year that the race that mega cap tech has been in, at least the race that gets the most buzz, and that is the best model, the best large language model, the best tools for customer, the idea that Microsoft makes this huge bet on open AI, uh, because they're the ones that are going to fuel a lot of the applications, their model. But this other idea is emerging, and this is one that was brought up by the finance world in the last 24 hours, um, in particular. I mean, it's an idea that's been in the undertones all year. But Relying on one large language model, that is risky. It seems so obvious, um, but here was SEC Chairman Gary Gensler on CNBC yesterday. If the markets are relying on directly or indirectly one base model, that could lead to real problems in finance and a future financial crisis. I thought that was interesting. Gensler warning about the the risk of relying on single large models. He went on or right before that quote, he said, if there is too much concentration, he said, I do think there are natural uh, economics around AI that will lead to dominant or single source based models, just like we've seen elsewhere in technology. He gave examples. We largely have one search engine that we all turn to, or maybe three cloud providers referring to Google, Microsoft, and um Amazon, I think similarly, we will end up with a very short list uh, of base or foundational models in artificial intelligence. And I think that hits on the idea that we're trying to do things differently this time, where we have one search engine. That's sort of what the regulators are focused on right now is is making sure that big tech doesn't have the same kind of dominance that they've had for past eras, right? Whether that's search, whether that's social media, whether that's cloud. Yeah, he, uh, he didn't bring that up as a good thing. He wasn't, he, yeah, he was <laughs> definitely not praising the fact that we only have those, uh, you know, those one or a, a couple of, of platforms. And we've talked about this um, a lot in the past, Gilbert, um, in our weekly deep dives on TV, how it's certainly heading that way, right? And just the idea that, you know, I mentioned Microsoft's huge bet on open AI for 49% of the of the company or the nonprofit, whatever you want to call it, um, gives it sort of gives it all the power of open AI. So it's they're doing it in a slightly different way, but the outcome may be the same. And again, that's how the race has operated. You all of these mega cap tech companies are clamoring to get into the buzziest 
the most darling generative AI companies so that they can sort of lead the shift or right. yeah, that's, essentially that's... lead it. I mean, not just partake in it, lead it. Yeah. And that's part of the risk I think that some people see is that the, uh, you know, this, the disruption is not going to come from the smallest players or startups. It is going to come from big tech companies who capture sort of the, the new technology. The other quote we got this morning. Um, so that was Gary Gensler yesterday. We got another quote this morning from the financial stability oversight committee, which is part of the treasury department, which warned that quote, the reliance of AI systems on large data sets and third party vendors introduces risks related to data controls, privacy, and cybersecurity. Right. And this has been a debate this year. Will it be many systems or large language models, or will it be a few of them? It's something that Amazon has been talking about, the idea that, and, you know, Adam Salipsky, the head of AWS, their cloud unit, which is where they're developing AI, generative AI, he has said many times this year, there won't be one model to rule them all. It's been kind of their talking point. But let's talk about the risks of one model. Like, why would that be a problem? One point, Gilbert, it creates a single point of failure. So disruptions in service, you can get inaccurate results and potentially even harmful consequences depending on the application. The stakes are so high in generative AI, right? The whole idea is that it starts to think for itself. And if you let that loose and there's one single model that you're relying on, there could be one single point of failure. Right. Uh, the other sort of bigger issue is the uh, echo chambers and filter bubbles that, you know, relying on a single model can sort of amplify. However, the the machine learning, the algorithm is built that sort of underpins uh, the the AI model. I think, relatedly, there's sort of a lack of, of diversity uh, and robustness is how sort of one mm -hmm. um, list put it that, uh, you know, the, the you, you want multiple, like multiple points of failure, right? You want multiple uh, different places that these AI models can be stressed and tested, that there isn't a single single one we're relying on. And in this way, it's very similar to what we've seen develop in cloud computing, right? There's also the idea of vendor lock-in. If you are choosing just one model to rely on, or similarly, one cloud provider to rely on, that can limit options and flexibility. It can make it more difficult difficult to switch to other models or technologies in the future. And that's sort of an interesting point as we see the mega caps develop their own custom AI chips, right? A lot of them work only on their cloud platforms. And that's why, you know, there's been this whole industry in cloud computing over the last decade that companies, enterprises, they must operate on multi-cloud providers or hybrids. And then there's the whole, you know, industry of companies that serve this exactly. They bring in all the different cloud providers and they make it so companies can sort of switch seamlessly between them. Right, and I mean, sort of the, the Gary Gensler and the treasury department are really talking about sort of like the, the security of the financial system writ large, but the, there's also sort of a, a larger societal problem here, which is that do we want like a single company or a single person to have this much control over something that, uh, you know, by, by all accounts is gonna be a very powerful, um, you know, system and society? And do we want that all driven by, you know, even if there's tons of different applications and tons of different products, do we want right. that all by a single model, which might have, you know, biases or, you know, any sorts of problems? The key thing is that that model would be trained on a very specific data set. And so all of the applications coming out of that are drawing on the same data. So there have been companies this year that are building on the idea that they don't want to rely on just one, they need to bring it all together. We spoke to one of them, builder.ai. The 
easiest way for me to think of it is like AI for dummies. So it draws from a number of LLMs, large language models, to build apps in a very non-technical way. Their product is called Natasha. And Natasha is basically a chat bot that you can talk to and say, okay, I want an app that does this, that has a user interface like this. And it does it in a way that you don't actually need to know any coding. You don't even need to know much about artificial intelligence. You just sort of tell Natasha what you want it to do. And here is the builder.ai CEO, Dev Sachin, Dev Dugal, explaining how it works and how it's different from what Microsoft and OpenAI are doing. A lot of people are building large language models um, where you can ask a question and you get specific answers. Um, you've got evolutions of that where you've got things like code complete, you know, you can help you complete a function or complete something in a programming language. Natasha's really different. Um, one, she's not based solely on LLM technology. I, I'm still not sure about Gilbert. Is this company sort of a wrapper, right? And that's sort of the thing here. Companies that are having a hard time getting funded, they don't have like that huge army of data scientists and researchers. They just build something on top of the large language model. So the startup is valued at half a billion dollars, which in the AI world, <laughs> shocking to say this, is not actually that big. Um, but it does have strategic investment from Microsoft. So on one hand, you've got Microsoft making this huge bet on OpenAI, which is developing its own large language model, but then also sort of a wrapper company like Builder.ai and incorporating it into Teams. So, but that's that's what Microsoft is able to do. That's what all the tech giants are able to do. They have these massive, massive balance sheets, billions of dollars they can spend just basically for options on all these different startups. Right. Uh, you know, sort of hedge their bets, throw some money around, see who wins, see what sort of what technology actually ends up being the, the most promising one. We actually got some more fundraising news this week. A Paris based uh, competitor of OpenAI called uh, Mistral AI closed a $415 million Series A funding round at a $2 billion valuation. I mean, just a huge amount of money coming in the door $415 million at a $2 billion valuation. Um, uh, by the way, it's AI. seed round. It's seed round was only, I think, six months ago, and that was at over a hundred million dollars. So this is just. I mean, so we've talked. I mean, about just these. I don't know how to put this in perspective. Yeah. Yeah. It's like very twenty twenty one ish when and Tiger Global and SoftBank. Were definitely, just but it's also the like what now. what they're spending money on that. Then you know we've talked about this so much, but that then they need to go around and take out these huge contracts yeah. with Nvidia or Microsoft or you know some some huge player. Uh, if they actually want to build an LLM just because the the compute power involved is so large. And by nature, right, a company like Mistral, like OpenAI, like Anthropic that are building the models, they need to raise that much money because they need the compute power. If you're a rapper, you don't need that rapper, compute power don't. because you're just building on top of these models. Right. Exactly. That's what I remember when we talked about this. This was months ago, but that the big winners from this are going to either be the giant players or they're going to be like single entrepreneurs or, you know, like, you know, a team of two or three who can just build an interesting wrapper on top of, you know, these giant capabilities from from someone else. Um, exactly. But I want to bring up one last point, <laughs> which was that call me naive, but I was I was so excited to see a li list of like French VC firms who are uh, investing in Mistral. So I looked up who its investors are. It's exactly who you'd expect. It's Andreessen Horowitz. It's Lightspeed Ventures. 
um, who are its founders. I was like, oh, who, you know, are they coming from like French polytechnic, in, you know, institutes? No, they're a bunch of former Meta and Google DeepMind employees. The same, the same stuff just happening in France. I have an answer. I have an answer for this for you. Um, very surface. We should do a deeper dive into this. But there are many generative AI companies building in France because the government is providing a ton of credits and capital for AI firms to build there. So this didn't surprise me. I think we're going to see more of this. And this was, you know, a mutual friend of ours who was at CNBC, who's now working in the generative AI space. She was traveling, you know, back and forth from Paris, because that is just, it's a really ripe ground for generative AI companies. So we, we got to right, look more into that. Yeah, but, yeah. but that's that why that's why she was going back, back and forth from Paris. I think you and I, we need a trip. Yeah, we got to start start booking a trip in January. Tech check on the road. Absolutely. It only makes sense. So what Mistral tells us, though, is that it's, at least at this point, it's still the startups that are building the actual models that are getting the most funding. And we talked about why that is. They need money for and capital for that compute power. But they're also getting the most buzz. And we've talked about this before as well. Are these large language models going to be a commodity, right? There's so many of them, but this Mistral one is interesting because there's no product, like there's no Bard or chat GPT that you can go to. They simply provide the API so that um, developers can build models, can build their own sort of chat bots, similar in the way that, you know, OpenAI's developer day had the idea of GPTs and even similar to the way that open that builder AI, the company, the startup we were talking about earlier is making it super, super easy. So they're all kind of competing in the same space. Builder AI is doing it in such a non-technical way, Mark, that we're actually going to try our hand at it next week. They're going to let us yeah. experiment. I want to see just how easy it is. And then yeah, maybe we'll try AI for dummies, AI for dummies. So we, yeah. we picked out the dummies on our team that we're going <laughs> to exactly it's like perfect for us yeah can make something um i mean i think it's like us it's it's (laughs) dense but i do think that these are sort of the interesting questions to ask about is it going to be open you know open source or closed source and and how many models do do we actually end up i mean it's a little bit like you talk about like how many streaming services are going to are going to survive it's like how many of these is the terminal how many actually these big lom's are going to um, be the sort of like foundational ones. It's sort of fascinating to think about. And then if if there's many, how do you monetize that? We keep going back to that question because we are CNBC and we follow the money, but that's what's maybe going to come to the forefront next year is that if there are all these different LLMs and you actually need a bunch of them, how do you make money? So we'll be looking at that and have a great weekend. Gilbert, you're off on vacation, but you may join me to pod next yeah week. i'm gonna try to join from vacation next week so we'll see how that goes we'll see how the uh podcast quality is from uh <laughs> on wi-fi outside my house have a great weekend people today can spend half their lives over 50 so it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older like a family vacation or starting your dream business welcome to connie's coffee how may i help you AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.